0: and helping Christians stay informed about government. This puts a bigger burden on voters to go figure out what's actually going on. This is Exposing Washington with Walker Wildman on American Family Radio.
2: The Russia investigation must come to an end. That's what we'll be discussing on the show today. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. This is your host, Walker Wildman, and you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. And as the introduction mentioned, this is Exposing Washington. The show is called Exposing Washington. For more information about today's show, you can visit our website, AFR.net. At at, at our website, AFR.net, you can not only find the podcast page and listen to previous shows, uh, previous Exposing Washington shows, but you can also listen to all other shows, many of the other shows that air on American Family Radio, uh, each weekday and on the weekends. So if you miss a show, want to catch up, visit afr.net. Or if you just want to listen live, you can also do that, uh, at afr.net. Top right hand corner of the website is the listen live button. And you can, as long as you have an internet connection, you can listen live to American Family Radio wherever you are. Wherever you are, you don't necessarily have to be within the signal of one of our FM radio stations to listen. So we have folks listening all across the country and some folks listening across the world. So good to have you here this afternoon. If you want to keep up with me and, and what what I'm going to talk about each week, you can follow me on Twitter at Walker Wildman on Twitter at Walker Wildman on Twitter. Or you can email the show afr.net is my email address, exposingwashington.afr.net. And uh, most of the time I try to email each of you back who take the time to email the show. But we're going to talk about two things today. We're going to spend most of the time talking about why the Russia investigation must come to a close. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. And But before, before we get into that, we're going to talk about President Trump's trip to the NATO summit, the NATO summit, and this all happened within the last week or so. President Trump made a trip over to Europe, visited several places, several foreign uh, leaders, and and he one, one thing he went to was the NATO summit, the military alliance summit, between uh, a lot of European countries and, and the U.S. And, and many others, and then President Trump ended his trip by going to, to Finland, Helsinki, I believe, Finland, and meeting with Russian leader Vladimir Putin. And I'm sure you saw the headlines on the fallout from that. And, and I'll get into that, too. But first off, President Trump's trip to NATO, uh, to the NATO summit, it was actually an excellent trip. And an excellent visit because here's what President Trump did and for those who don't know NATO is the military alliance and I'm gonna oversimplify this but that's that's how I like to do things NATO is the military alliance between 20 30 or 40 countries which was was started right after the Cold War with Russia the Soviet Union and This military alliance, the purpose of it is to protect the European countries and other countries from the, the threat of Russia, from the Russian military threat that really climaxed during the Cold War. And so that's NATO's purpose. So that being said, President Trump is over there, with having this summit, with, with dozens of, of foreign leaders, and he's been complaining, that is, President Trump, about how these countries are not paying their dues. So each country pays in a certain amount of money into this NATO fund, this military fund, and it, and, and it goes to protect all these countries. And so President Trump has been unhappy during his presidency, that the U.S. is paying billions and billions and billions of dollars towards this military fund, this international military fund. But these other countries aren't paying as much, which is President Trump saying it's not fair that the U.S. is footing the bill to protect all these other countries. Because, honestly, the U.S. doesn't need other countries to protect us. We have a great military and we don't need other countries to protect us. And so I'm going to play clip 1 here. This is President Trump sitting at the breakfast breakfast table with the general of the NATO of NATO, the, the I think like the, the military general or secretary general, I don't know what his title is, but he's basically the head of NATO, and President Trump is sitting at the breakfast table with him, and President Trump takes this issue head on. Let's listen.
0: Well, I have to say, I think uh, it's very sad when Germany makes a massive oil and gas deal with Russia, where you're supposed to be guarding against Russia, and Germany goes out and pays billions and billions of dollars a year to Russia. So we're protecting Germany, we're protecting France, we're protecting all of these countries. And then numerous of the countries go out and make a pipeline deal with Russia, where they're paying billions of dollars into the coffers of russia so we're supposed to protect you against russia but they're paying billions of dollars to russia and i think that's very inappropriate and the former chancellor of germany is the head of the pipeline company that's supplying the gas Uh, ultimately germany will have almost 70 percent of their country controlled by russia with natural gas so you tell me is that appropriate i mean we've been complaining about this From the time I got in, it should have never been allowed to have happened. But Germany is totally controlled by Russia, because they will be getting from 60 to 70 percent of their energy from Russia and a new pipeline. And you tell me if that's appropriate, because I think it's not. And I think it's a very bad thing for NATO, and I don't think it should have happened. And I think we have to talk to Germany about it. On top of that, Germany is just paying a little bit over 1 percent whereas the United States in actual numbers is paying 4.2%.
2: And that right there is exactly why in November of 2016 I checked Donald J. Trump on the ballot. Because he takes on this this crookedness and this unfairness, and he takes it head on. He's sitting at the table with these foreign leaders, and he says, Look, why are y'all cutting deals? Why is Germany cutting billion-dollar deals with Russia? when NATO is here to protect you from Russia. So you're cutting these big deals with your own enemy. And so why is NATO even here? And so President Trump raised that concern right there, face-to-face with these foreign leaders. Good for him. That's why uh, folks voted for him. On a positive note, the NATO members are increasing their spending. Just in the last year, they've increased defense spending collectively by $33 billion. So President Trump is having a positive effect when it comes to getting these countries to pay their fair share, as the the Democrats like to say when it comes to other things. Moving on here, um, uh, uh, changing the subject uh, back to the Russia investigation, which I told you we'd talk about. We're going on two years. July 31st, I believe, will be two years. Um, no, no, I'm wrong. It's going to be three years because July 31st of 2015, I believe, or I'm sorry, of 2016. It's going to be two years. The uh, Peter Strzok and the FBI opened this Russia investigation. So July 31st will be two years of this Russia investigation that we've talked about multiple times. And it originated when this agent by the name of Peter Strzok, and he's not just an agent, he was the the head, the director of of foreign intel of national uh, counterintelligence with the FBI. So Peter Strzok, the the Trump hater, who a, a loves Hillary Clinton, and is having an affair with this lady named Lisa Page, another attorney at, with the Department of Justice. He is, he was in charge of the Hillary Clinton email investigation into her server into. Into the, that was uh, housed in a bathroom, no kidding why she's Secretary of State, an unsecured email server housed in her house in New York. And so Peter Strzok was heading up that investigation to the extent that he took it serious. But the, the, uh, the other investigation that he had to do with was this Russia investigation. We all know that Peter Strzok hated President Trump, then-candidate Trump. He expressed it over and over and over again via text message with his mistress. And so Peter Strzok, he originated the Russia investigation that ended up implicating now now President Trump. And so Peter Strzok originates this Russia investigation, ties in Donald Trump to hopefully bring him down, and finally, finally, we get a little bit of justice here. Just a couple of weeks ago, y'all remember we talked about it. The inspector general for the Department of Justice, kind of the watchdog who's supposed to keep the Department of Justice in line, he released over 500 pages of documents and records that proved that Peter Strzok was a biased FBI agent. He had an animus against one of uh, uh, the candidates in the presidential election, and that was Donald Trump. Well, finally, a couple weeks ago, he was escorted out of the FBI building. That's according to CNN and The Washington Times. But the problem here is he's still on the FBI payroll. He's still an employee of the FBI. And the reason that's a problem is this 500-plus page report concluded that he made some big mistakes during the 2016 election and and prior. But he's still on the FBI payroll under, quote, internal investigation. Well, you know what? I'm tired of internal investigations. It's time for someone to lose their job. If you mess up as big and bad as Peter Strzok did by letting Hillary Clinton off the hook when she should be in jail... And then you, you falsely implicate Donald Trump into this Russia investigation, which shouldn't even exist. It's time that he be fired immediately. He's fortunate that he's not in jail. He's fortunate that he's not facing criminal charges. So the FBI escorted Peter Strzok out of uh, the FBI building under internal review. He's under internal review. And it's, it's time that our government starts firing government employees who don't do their job right. I mean, imagine in a secular world, in the secular workforce, if you fumble a job and you mess up a hundred times and you break laws, you should be fired. And not to mention this Inspector General report is more than, a, than sufficient to fire an employee just cite the inspector general report but who knows what's going on with the Department of Justice it's definitely not good but I don't trust the basis of this investigation and someone who summed this up very well is Senator Rand Paul I'm gonna play clip two here this is Senator Rand Paul on why he doesn't trust this investigation and those who started it let's listen
1: it does matter who was in charge of the intelligence. It does matter because they started up some of this and ginned up this whole thing that have gone after the president saying he's committed collusion with Russia. No evidence of that, and it continues to go on. Who are the people that started this? James Clapper, who lied to the Senate, said they weren't collecting our information, and yet they were collecting all of our information in housing and housing it in Utah. John Brennan has me- now accused... John, let me finish. John Brennan has now accused the president of treason. This is John Brennan, who voted for the Communist Party when he was a young man. John Brennan now thinks he's holier than everybody else. But these people had the power to collect every American's information. And these are the people that I am concerned use their bias against President Trump. And absolutely, I'm with the president on this. The intelligence community was full of biased people, including Peter Strzok, McCabe, and dozens of others.
2: That's exactly it. So that's Senator Rand Paul on CNN on the uh, Wolf Blitzer show, and Wolf Blitzer, if you listen to that, kept interrupting him. If you if you watch the whole 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 show, and so Senator Rand Paul is exactly right. He's saying I don't trust the people who started this mess, and who he's talking about there is Peter Strzok, which I just mentioned, John Brennan, who who voted for the Communist Party back in the day. James Clapper, Dan Coats, all these big wigs in the intelligence community who were there under President Obama. I don't trust any of these people because, as Senator Rand Paul mentioned, they're collecting all of Americans' data and they're all politically motivated. They're all swamp rats, and we're supposed to trust them that, that they got everything under control and that they're honest and moral people. And, and I don't see any evidence that they are. As a matter of fact, all the evidence that I see with these big wigs that head up our intelligence community is that they're a bunch of cro- crooks who often lie and and solely carry out political uh, political purposes. And so I don't trust them. I don't trust them one bit. And to prove another reason that I don't trust them is. This is a report out of the Daily Mail, and this, this, this came out months ago, maybe even a year ago, but it's still relevant, and it says that the latest WikiLeaks release shows how the CIA uses computer code to hide the origins of its hacking, and they can disguise, the CIA can disguise its hacking as Russian or Chinese activity. And you might be wondering, so Walker, how does this tie in? How is this relevant? Here's how it's relevant. What this document says, and this is this was hacked information from the CIA and I don't endorse hacking the CIA, but the information's public so I'm going to read it to you. But it says th- this is a quote from the news story. This type of technology that the CIA uses It would permit a foreign attribute, it would permit a forensic attribution double game. For example, by pretending that the spoken language of the malware creator, which is basically just saying, you know, the hacker, was not American English but Chinese. And it goes on, and this may make more sense. This could lead forensic investigators into wrongly concluding that CIA hacks were carried out by the Kremlin, which is Russia. The Chinese government, Iran, North Korea, are other countries. And so the reason I, I say that is because, you know, we're, our, our, everybody's telling us, look, it was Russia who hacked us in 2016. It was Russia who hacked the DNC. It was Russia who hacked Hillary Clinton. And so everybody's pointing at Russia and saying, look, 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 the evidence is there. Come on, believe us. And I'm just saying, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. Because when those documents say that the CIA can, can, can basically make their hacks look like it came from someone it didn't, like the Russians, well, how do we know that didn't happen? And I don't have enough evidence to say it did, but I'm just raising the question that we don't need to unilaterally everyone jump on board to a handful of people's conclusions who are often untrustworthy just because we don't have more information. And so at best, I'm hesitant to believe that it was only Russia who hacked um, the Hillary Clinton email server and others back in 2016. But to, but to simplify this, to boil this down into layman terms, the type of software or our strategy that the CIA uses here, is a, this is an example, that a, a real-world example you might understand, and it's like leaving... What they do is like leaving fake fingerprints at a crime scene. So let's say I rob a store and I plant someone else's fingerprints in the store to make the police believe that it was them and not me. This is exactly what the CIA and other powerful intelligence agencies use when hacking other countries and other individuals. But another reason to question who hacked the Clinton email server and the DNC email server and others, is this story back from 2016, May of 2016, out of Fox News. This says that the infamous Romanian hacker known as, quote, Guccifer, he spoke exclusively to Fox News and claimed he easily and repeatedly breached former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's personal email server in early 2013. So this is prior to the 2016 election and the Russia investigation and all that, back in 2013. This guy claims to have hacked Hillary Clinton's email server. And the only reason that this is relevant to what I'm talking about today is this, this fact. This fella, by the la- his last name is Lazar, I believe. He's in jail in Virginia for various cyber crimes. Um, but he said that, that in order to hack Hillary Clinton's email, first he hacked uh, Sidney Blumenthal's email account, an AOL account. He, he guessed the security questions correct and reset his password. And tell me that's not a simplified way to, ha- to log into somebody's email account. And so this fellow said he told Fox News back in 2016 that he used, quote, proxy servers in Russia, end quote, to hack Hillary Clinton's email, to kind of provide uh, anonymity, and so this this technique of hacking and then making it look like it's somebody else who hacked seems to be very common. And so uh, I say that to prove that 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 when you look at that, if the FBI forensic team were to look at that, they would say, well, it was you know it was Russia who hacked. Hillary Clinton in 2013, it was Russia. I mean, look right here. Look at these IP addresses. But that guy who hacked, who apparently, allegedly hacked Hillary Clinton's email server when she was Secretary of State, he says I used I used a fake Russia server to to look to mask my identity. And so uh, the, I say all that to say that it could have been anyone and multiple people who hacked the Hillary Clinton email server. And better yet, just within the last week it has come out that every single one of Hillary Clinton's emails on that private server were forwarded, automatically forwarded, to a foreign government. And it wasn't Russia. Now tell me that's not fishy. So every time Hillary Clinton composed replied to an email on her server, it bounced to a foreign government automatically, and the foreign government was not Russia. I don't know who it was; it hasn't come out yet. But that came out from some hearings within the past week. The last thing I want to talk about is bounce back to Peter Strzok. This is clip three. This is Peter Strzok in a hearing this past week, and I just want to, I just want you to understand and listen to how chaotic. And, and unproductive, this hearing went in Congress. Let's listen.
1: August 8th, how many interviews did you conduct related to the alleged collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign? Congressman, as you know, counsel for the FBI, based on the special counsel's equities, has instructed me not to answer questions about the ongoing investigation I'm asking for
0: into a number Russian of attempts to Agent- interfere. You are under subpoena and are required to answer the question. Are you objecting to the question? If so, please state your objection. Mr. Chairman, I object. I do not believe I am here under subpoena. I believe I am here voluntarily. Chairman. Will you answer the committee's question as directed or do you refuse to answer the committee's question? Mr. Chairman, I move to adjourn. Second. You're not recognized for that purpose and you will be subject to recall to allow the committee to consider proceeding with a contempt citation.
1: Your testimony is Bob Mueller did not kick you off because of the content of your text. He kicked you off because of some appearance that he was worried about. Sure. I'm stating to you it is not my understanding that he kicked me off because of any bias, that it was done based on the appearance. If you want to represent what you said accurately, I'm happy to answer that question, but I don't appreciate what was originally said being changed.
2: Well, there you have it. That that last voice was Peter Strzok answering Representative Trey Gowdy out of South Carolina. But you heard... if, if you probably didn't get much from that clip other than the tail end of it. But that, that that hearing was chaotic because the Democrats kept interrupting the hearing and nobody could get anything done. And Peter Strzok, if you watch the whole hearing, he is the snarkiest, most annoying fellow I've ever seen on television. I mean, this guy, he you look at him and you're like, yeah, that guy's corrupt. The way he answers and he lies and he keeps this straight, smirky face, it was completely obnoxious. But that's just beside the point. I don't know how you can be called to testify before Congress and you don't answer questions. And it's not that you're not answering questions. You're not answering the key questions that they brought you there for. And so you heard him in the clip, Peter Strzok goes, you know, I've been counseled by the FBI that I can't answer questions about ongoing investigations, blah, 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 blah. But I don't—Congress I, should hold him in contempt. And maybe they will, but the, this whole idea that government employees, very powerful people in our government, can do whatever they want, whenever they want, most of it unethical and illegal— and then they don't have to answer to anybody. That is the most backwards way of thinking, and that is not how our founding fathers set up this country. Congress has oversight over all of the executive branch, specifically the Department of Justice and others. And so this whole idea that the remember we did this with the IRS leader, Lois Lerner, they were discriminating against conservative groups and she pled the fifth. You shouldn't be able to do that. You shouldn't be able to break the law, do all kinds of bad things, and then say, I don't want to talk about it. Because that's the most unfair process ever. And the last thing I want, two, two last things I want to conclude on. The first thing is, and this will send you over the edge, the Mueller investigation has cost just over $17 million in the first 10 months. And now it's been going on for a year and a half now. Um, but, but the Mueller investigation in the first 10 months or year cost 17 million dollars, 17 million dollars of U.S. taxpayer hard-earned dollars. But lastly, I want to mention, and I want to ask the hypothetical question, where is Jeff Sessions? Where is Jeff Sessions, the attorney general of the United States who is supposed to be the top Man at the Department of Justice overseeing all of this corruption. Where is he? He was supposed to be one of the greatest attorney generals. Everybody loved him. All about law and order, justice. And he is MIA. He is nowhere to be found. And that is the most disappointing thing about the Trump presidency, is the Department of Justice is still rogue. We'll talk to you next week. Stay tuned to American Family Radio.
0: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.